Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. True and 
Anybody else, when you watch them sing, do you just imagine that in the morning Amy wakes up and says, good morning, <laughs> and Jason starts singing a harmony over time, good morning, <laughs> it seemed like the type that sing everything, I love you honey, <laughs> if I could sing like that. I'd sing everything that I had to say. But instead, I can't. God didn't give me a voice for singing, and he gave me a face for radio, so we'll make do the best we can. I would like to take just a moment uh, before we begin this morning uh, to extend my deepest gratitude on behalf of myself and my wife and my family uh, these last couple of weeks have been trying uh, for us. Uh, you afforded me two opportunities on Sunday evenings to be with my family while Liette's grandmother was uh, passing. I am deeply uh, gracious for that opportunity to be with my family during that time. And uh, all of the cards, all of the flowers, all of the prayers, all of the calls, all of the messages, all of the thoughts, and all of the visits... Uh, we are forever indebted to you. We are so thankful for a church family uh, that loves on us so much. We thank you so much for that. So uh, I could think of, of no better time to get the number of people that are here now together. And if I tried to say it individually, I'd leave someone out. So thank, thank you uh, to all of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 will be in verses 7 7 through 15 today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. Now, as we, as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to make recognition that one could say that there are, are numerous uh, relations and correlations between the church in Corinth that Paul was writing to and in America today. Uh, there was a tremendous presence of, of bickering. There was a tremendous presence of idolatry. There was a tremendous presence of sexual sin. There was a, a splitting of the church taking place. Sounds similar, doesn't it, to what goes on in America today? And God had, had blessed the church in Corinth. It's not like they hadn't been blessed. It's not like they didn't know who the Lord was and who their hand had been. God had blessed the church uh, in, in Corinth very mightily. And in spite of all of his blessings in their lives, they continued to turn away uh, from God and turn back to things. God, you know, some might say if the church was turning away, it's because they lacked, maybe they lacked a leadership, but God had placed a tremendous leader in their midst in the form of the Apostle Paul. And Paul had trained up leaders as he, as he went on his missionary journey to leave behind in the church. So it wasn't that there weren't faithful men standing and preaching and teaching the Word of God. And you could say that in America today, we have 
that same thing, that, that, that despite the things that are going around, God has blessed us tremendously uh, with, with, with one who recently passed, the Reverend Billy Graham, to stand and, and preach the truth faithfully. We have men like uh, Dr. Robert Smith and, and Rick Corum and, and all of these men who are traveling around still preaching the truth of God's Word in meetings throughout the country. We have faithful men of God standing in pulpits all across this town. I am fortunate to have met several pastors in Wilson County that I would say faithfully stand and preach the word of God, nothing more and nothing less. And so we have a faithful remnant preaching to the people of God, and yet still as a country we seem to be slip sliding away, much like the Corinthians do. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, we have Paul kind of given an explanation as to why he preaches the way he does. He's kind of saying, listen, I know that this style of preaching that I have is not going to be popular. It's not going to gain me any notoriety of eloquence, but it's the way that I preach. And here is why I preach this way. And I believe that many today would be fairly astute to do the same and say, it may not be popular, but I'm going to do it God's way. You see, the false teachers had arisen to undo so much of Paul's teaching in Corinth. Because they couldn't present their false gospel until they discredited Paul's real gospel. You see what I'm saying? Paul had come and he had preached the truth of Jesus Christ. And so the false teachers were coming in their attempt to, to present the false gospel. They realized we have to discredit Paul or the people will cling to his truthful teachings. And so they begin to attack him in many different areas. Paul at this point is being attacked by many lies. Uh, the, many would say that he had a hidden agenda, that he was looking to promote himself. They would say that Paul was dishonest. They said Paul had done things that were not of the character he was preaching. And, and Paul didn't really defend himself. You look through all of Scripture, and these attacks that were coming of falsehoods against Paul, he didn't defend himself. And essentially, Paul is saying by not doing that, there's no merit in these attacks for me to defend myself against. You can say any falsehood you want. There's nothing I can do. If you don't know my character, if you don't know me well enough to know my character, then me saying something to defend myself is not going to help. And so Paul didn't defend himself against those things. But one area that they began to attack was all of the false teachers began to say, you shouldn't listen to Paul because he's not a very intelligent man. He's not a very eloquent speaker. His message is too Simple, they would say. And what was that simple message that Paul preached? Paul stood and preached nothing more and nothing less than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached that Jesus was God's Son, come to this earth, fully God, fully man, veiled in flesh, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, resurrected again, and he did it that we might be saved. And that was the message that Paul preached. And so those would come against him and say, he's not eloquent enough. He doesn't speak the way the Pharisees speak. He doesn't speak the way the Sadducees speak. He's too simple in his message, so he just plain might not be very smart, is what they would say. And so Paul does respond to that attack. And he responds to it in these next few verses. And essentially he responds to it this way. He says, you hit the nail right on the head. I am not a very smart man. 
I'm not very good. I'm not overly talented. But look what Jesus does with me anyway. That's what Paul did. He said, listen, I'm not much. You're right. Hey, you guys that are saying my message is simple, you're right. I'm not smart enough to preach anything more. But look what Jesus does with that simple message. He saves many. Everywhere I go preaching this simple truth, people come to know the Savior. And that's where we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you're able in the house this morning, please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of the Holy Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And Paul writes, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That we, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you and we thank you for this opportunity, Father. We thank you that you are the faithful one, Lord God. That great is your faithfulness. And God, to you be the glory for all the great things you have done. Father, we come this morning recognizing that this is a special opportunity to gather with other believers in your holy name, And worship you, Lord. So let us remove any thought, God. Would you bind any devil or any demon from this place? Father, that your spirit may run wild in our lives this morning. Draw us near to you, Father. We will give you the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in your precious name that we pray. As all of God's children said. Amen. And you may be seated. So Paul says, listen, I'm not much. And he starts out in verse 7 and he gives a description. He says, but we have this treasure. And then he says what? We're in earthen vessels. He says, we're just vessels. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, I'm just a vessel. And so what is a vessel? A vessel holds something. A vessel is something that you put something in, essentially. And Paul says, we are created to contain something is what he's saying. We're created to be filled by something. And so how about that? Think about that, church. We are created... To be filled by something. We are just an earthen vessel, an empty vessel. And when we're not filled by something, we we seek to be filled by something. And, And so here's the thing to remember about that. We were created to be filled. We will be filled. So what does that tell us? When we're not filled by the Holy Spirit of God, then we have this empty and incomplete feeling. That's what it means to be lost and searching. Is you're looking for something. Why? Because you seek to be filled by something because you're just a vessel. 
And so when we're not filled by the Holy Spirit, that's when we seek to fill ourselves with something else. That's when we turn to our addictions and our sins and our failures and all of these things that Satan has put in our paths, all of these things that the world has put in front of us. We grab a hold of those things and we try to put them in because we're looking to fill up something that ought to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so we get caught up in these things because we're not full of the Spirit and we're made to be filled by something. So we're seeking to be filled by something. But when Paul goes on to describe the vessel, he gives it a a, a description before that day. He says we're not just vessels, we're, we're earthen vessels. And that means we're just made from a common old nothing material. We're made from common old materials. Remember that? When God created man, he took of the dust, right? Not much value in dust, is there? Not much to to be said of dust. I don't know how many of you have ever dug a ditch, but you would come to complain about dust when you were trying to fill that ditch back in. It seems to be useless. It has very little value in and of itself. And so Paul says, listen, we're just insignificant bits of clay, is essentially what Paul says by us being earthen vessels. I want you to think, think of a wine bottle. Now, we're Baptists. We don't think of wine bottles very often. But I want you to think of a wine bottle with me. You take a simple glass wine bottle with nothing in it and no label on it. What is its value? Nothing, essentially. Not much there. But you take that same wine bottle, you fill it uh, with an aged wine, and you slap a label on it and put a cork in the top of it. Suddenly, what does that bottle become? That vessel becomes worth something. Not because the bottle changed. The bottle didn't change a bit, did it? But what was put inside of it suddenly made that vessel worth something more. The idea is this, that we are just earthen vessels. And apart from what's inside of us, we have little or no value. That's kind of a stark difference from the self-made, I'm so important attitude that the world casts, isn't it? The world would say, I am of infinite value because I am so special. But God would say... You are just a filthy rag. You're merely merely an earthen vessel. Whatever fills you is what gives you your value. Paul says that is so that the excellence of the power of God might be seen and manifested. So why are we of no value? Why must we be filled to be of value? Because, my friends, if we were capable of giving ourselves value, we would do it every time and take all the credit for it, wouldn't we? Ephesians says we're saved by grace through faith. For what reason? Because if we could do it of our own works, we would boast of it, wouldn't we? Look what I did. I was doomed for hell. I saved myself. I'm so good. I'm so mighty. I'm so strong. I'm amazing. I'm special. Because when we're born, what does mama tell us? You special. You special. Well, I tell every one of my children, listen, you are special. But you know how I finish? Are you special because of how God made you? You're special because of the power of Christ that fills you. That's what makes us special. Romans 8.28 says he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. If we had the power and we had the control and we had the ability, who would we work the good things for? Me. I would work everything together for the good of me, not the rest of them that love Jesus. I'd work it together for the good of Jason. Not because I find myself to be a selfish person, but because I'm a human. And I'm wired to look out for number one. 
We have proven time and time again that we're selfish and we work them out for our good and not for others. But you know what else we would do if we could work it out on our own? We'd work it out for our good right now. And God says, you don't need to satisfy your cravings of right now. I've got your whole path in mind when I'm working these things out. So maybe this one stings, but I'm prepping you for a greater blessing later. Maybe you thought it was supposed to happen now, but I'm getting you re- You ain't ready for it now, but here in a little bit, you're going to find out what it means to be ready for it, and I'm going to pour my blessings out on you in such a way that you can't stand it. But now's not the time. See, if we had the power of ourselves, we wouldn't wait on God. We'd just fix it all for ourselves. So we're just earthen vessels. We're not worth much apart from, from what fills us. Paul in verse 8 and 9 starts to give us a description, though, of a Christian life, I believe. He gives us a description of a Christian life. He starts out and he says, we are hard-pressed on every side. What does that mean? We're, we're hard-pressed on every side. Well, that's, that's the pressures. I call that the everyday afflictions of life. The car wouldn't start this morning. My water line is leaking. My washing machine broke, and I got four loads of laundry to catch up on. This is the everyday pressures of life. And doesn't life feel like a pressure cooker sometimes? Whew. Because I don't know about you guys, but it seems my washing machine breaks right after my water line breaks. And when I go to get the parts, my car won't start. When I get it started, the tar's flat. Paul says, because we're Christians, we're not insulated from those pressures, are we? Just because we're believers, just because we're children of God, we're not insulated from those hard pressures that surround us. It's not like once you get saved that God sends you this tent that goes around you and says, listen, nothing else Nothing else is going to bother him. His tires won't go flat no more. His wash machine, bless it, will last forever. That's not how it works. We're hard pressed on every side. But we ain't crushed. Huh? We ain't crushed. We're not crumbled under. We're not pushed down until we can't rise back up. We sustain and we persevere through all of those things. Why? Because the power of Christ that's in us. Not of our own ability. He goes on though. Paul says we face perplexities. He says we face these difficult decisions. We face these, these times where sometimes we have to make choices. And Paul's not talking about am I going to get out of bed kind of choices. All right, Paul is talking about the kind of choices where we have to step out on faith. Not knowing how this choice is fully going to affect the rest of my life. We don't know what will happen for sure if we take that new job that seems like a great opportunity. We don't know what will happen for sure if we go ahead and turn in our two-week notice not knowing where we're going to go next. Even if we feel like God is pushing us that way. We don't know the long-term effects of some of these decisions, but God says we're to pray about them. We're to walk on faith. We are to face these perplexities without despair. Why? Because while we may not know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. Let me say that again. We may not, and this side over here didn't hear it. We may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. 
Bless God, I can remember about three years ago I faced a perplexity because this little white church in the valley called me at the end of July and said, can you come and preach the first Sunday in August? And I was hungry for an opportunity to preach. And I said, absolutely. And after that morning service, the chairman of the deacons come and grabbed me. And he said, I need to talk to you for a minute for the evening service. And I thought, my goodness, what did I say so bad this morning that they got to talk to me for the evening service? He said, can you preach this whole month of August? And I said, bless God, I can preach the whole month of August. And I had to go to the church where I was on staff and say, I'm going to stay the whole month with those folks at Rocky Valley. Is that okay? And the church where I was on staff was gracious. They said, absolutely, we don't like you anyway. And so I went and I preached the whole month here at this beautiful white church at Rocky Valley. And September came and I went back to my home church where I'd been on staff for a number of years. I'd played the guitar for 10 years. I'd written Sunday school material for 10 years. I'd preached sermons from the pulpit. I had met my wife in this church, all these things that were home. And I stood on that stage at Southside Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee with my electric guitar in my hand. I looked over at the man that I'd played music with for 10 years and I felt like a stranger in a deserted land because God said it's time for you to leave this place. But you know what hadn't happened yet? Nobody at Rocky Valley had said they ever wanted me back for anything. And so my wife and I talked and we faced a perplexity. We had to turn in a notice at Southside Baptist Church and say, I'm not supposed to be here anymore. I'm not supposed to do this anymore. And had no knowledge of what was coming. But bless God, a week later, the search committee said, do you have a resume? I said, how do you spell that? And they said, that's okay. You're not very good at it. Just come on back anyway. And bless God, I've been here ever since. But we had a perplexity. We had no knowledge what turning in the notice there at that church meant. But God said, step out on faith. And do not despair. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but I've got it in the palm of my hand. I need you to just be faithful in this perplexity. So we trust God that whatever the path may bring us, wherever the choice may lead, we'll trust Him to carry us through it. And so we need no despair in deciding, Paul says. But he says we're persecuted. Now we know that if the world hated Jesus, it's going to hate us also because we're not of the world. People hate things that aren't like them. And as believers, we're different from the world. And the God of the world says, push them out and silence them. They'll tell jokes about us. They'll tell us our faith doesn't line up with science. Well, that's good because my faith defies science in the first place. They'll say, how can you believe in a God that punishes people? But we will not despair in that persecution because Paul says we can be faithful that we're not forsaken. We're not abandoned when we're being persecuted. I think of Stephen. I think of the blessed Stephen as he was stoned for preaching Jesus. I'd call that pretty tough. Anybody ever had rocks thrown at them for loving Jesus? I ain't. Stephen had big old rocks thrown at him just because he loved Jesus. And yet he looked up with a big glowing smile on his face. Why? Because he was not abandoned in his time of persecution. I believe Paul said, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. 
And that's what we should say as a believer when the persecution comes. We may endure the persecution, but Scripture tells us to take heart. Why? Because Jesus has overcome them. How many? All. Fancy Greek word. It means all. Jesus has overcome all of them. We can take heart in our persecution. Paul says we're also struck down. These are those gut punches that shatter your entire existence. Surprise, you have cancer. Oh, right. Some of you know it all too well. Surprise, your seemingly healthy loved one has but moments to live. These are the things that hurt so bad that they take your breath away. And Paul says of the Christian, we were not protected from them. But he says what? We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We get up. We carry on. When the world says you can't, God says we can. So why? So that when people look upon us and they go, how did he get up after that? Through the power of Christ in me. The power is from God and not of ourselves. Why? Because if it was of ourselves, when they said, how did you get up? You'd write a book. You call it seven steps to getting up after a striking down. But instead the believer says, I get up because of the power of Christ in me. And this test is now a testimony. Right? You can't spell testimony without test. I always thought that was interesting. So think back to Romans 8 and 28. God says he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Now, if you apply the truth from Scripture to that very phrase, what you have to say is that that he works all things. That means the pressures, the perplexities, the persecutions, the catastrophes, the striking down. He works all of those things together for the good of those who love him. Tough to be a Christian sometimes, isn't it? Not really. Think about the retirement plans pretty good. So yes, he's working all these things together. You mean he's working that job I lost for my good? He is if you'll be faithful. You mean he's working this sickness for my good? He is if you'll be faithful. How does this bring glory to God? I don't know. I'm just a man. But I promise you if we'll be faithful, it will bring glory to God. Because he works things together for the good of those who love him. Now I got a little sidetracked on that point. So we're going to have to skip down a little bit to verse 15. Verses 11 through 14 are a sermon within themselves. But Paul, in verse 15, what's he say? For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Paul says, all these things are for your sakes. All these things we endure. All of these things that we go through. All of these things that happen. Paul had a lot of things that happened to him. He'd been left for dead. He'd been imprisoned. He'd been beaten. He'd been run out of towns. He'd been stood up. He'd been pushed out. And all of these things, he said, listen, these perplexities, these persecutions, these things that we are enduring for preaching the gospel, all those things are so somebody might see Christ. What an attitude that Paul had. He is essentially saying, look, I I am nothing more than an earthen vessel. 
I could be used for carrying trash. I could be used for carrying anything, and my value would be nothing. I have no talent. I have no ability. I don't have anything to offer. Yet look what Jesus has done with me anyway. And so he worships and praises his holy God who has used him and delivered him and defended him. And he says this, all things I endure, I'm going to give thanks to God for them. Because if I have survived them, then the glory of God abounds in them. Think about that with me. All the pressures, all the decisions, all the catastrophes, all the stuff that happens in life. What if we could all take that same attitude and say, if then I have survived it, I thank God for it because his glory abounds in the fact that I'm still here. In the fact that I'm still here because guess what? I promise you this, if you'll, if you'll just, if you'll just be, if you just be faithful, if you'll just be faithful, say, God, I don't know why you are, or I don't know why you're not right now, but I'm going to be faithful anyway. When he does, whoo we can say, now I understand what all that was about. Now I get where all that came from. Now that I see your glory abound in my life. Now, God, thank you. If I'd have got it then, I'd have messed it up. Wasn't ready for it. Thank you, God. Early in verse 7, Paul writes, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now that word... Many scholars look at it. Some say that, that, that what Paul is writing is that we're the treasure of God as his earthen vessels. But I don't think that's what Paul is writing. I think the tone and the tenor of the text would, would lend to believe we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I believe the treasure is Jesus. I believe that's what Paul is writing. I believe Paul is writing that as a believer we have Jesus in this earthen vessel and that is our greatest treasure. He is what fills us. He's what gives us value. If we have any value, it is merely that we're filled with Jesus Christ. And so I ask you this morning, is Jesus Christ your treasure? Do you live your life in such a way that you recognize that Jesus Christ is the treasure that fills you? If you've survived through the pressures and the perplexities and the sicknesses and the, and the ailments and all of those things, do you give the glory to God that He has abounded in your life over and over again? Or do you sit here this morning thinking of everything that you've done and how strong you've been and how mighty you are and how you have come through? If that's the case this morning, will you come and be filled with the treasure that is Jesus Christ. Will you come and say thank you God. For all of these things in my life. Because you have seen me through them all. Thank you God for the seasons of waiting. Thank you God for the seasons of storm. Because they were preparing me. For where I am now. We're just clay pots. We're just earthen vessels. So the question is, what are we filled with? Are we filled with Jesus or are we filled with ourselves? Let's pray.
Father God, we come to you this morning thankful for an opportunity to be here and be present in your house, Lord. Recognizing, God, that we, despite what we may think of ourselves, despite our own opinion of ourselves, Father, we're really not worth much. That everything in us that is worth anything is because of you, Jesus. And the only thing that gives us any real value is to be filled by your Holy Spirit. But Father, in the house this morning, I'm sure that there are people trying to fill their empty vessel with anything but you. People trying to fill it with their addictions and their pleasures and their desires and their thoughts. Lord God, would you convict them this moment? Bring them to your altar and allow them to say, I want to be filled with Jesus. I want to be filled with Jesus. And Father, there's no doubt some here this morning who have endured or are enduring a season. God, give them the comfort to know that it is for your glory, God, and to remain faithful in this season. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.